0: Today's kind of a nuts and bolts look at the church, okay? And, we'll, and, and kind of the, next Sunday, uh, Lord willing, we'll be back in the book of Hebrews in chapter 8 and, and we'll be engaging in the text in that way, but, but today is kind of like, okay, the scriptures say certain things about the church, uh, the way the church should function and operate and uh, we're at a place where I think we need to do some of these things. Now, whether, and, and, our, and our desire and our hope, and my desire and hope, is that we will do it in a biblical, Christ-honoring way. And so a number of you, I think, I think and I hope all of you received it by email, sometime in November, I think it was, uh, just this little Community Grace Church Covenant membership thing. Um... This is not the, the final draft. I am hoping and praying that what happens is that we have a conversation, uh, that we are in prayer, and that we will shape this. And by the time we get to March, we'll have something that we go, this, this, this sits well with us. Okay? And so in order to do that, Tom Cottrell had a good idea. Uh, this week, uh, Rebecca and I are going to put together just one good idea tom just one no sorry sorry (laughs) he thought what we we ought to do is have just an email designated uh, for 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 this whole conversation and so um, if as you're reading this after you've listened to this message as you're praying through stuff if you could fire suggestions or questions to that email well rebecca and i will figure that out this week okay and we'll send you the email that that, that will be. And, and that will help me to move forward in, in some of the, the next steps as a church, okay? So so the plan is the email piece. The plan is on January 30th, which is a Wednesday night, we'll do a potluck supper here at the church. Uh, no, I don't think it's potluck, right? It's just, just coming at 7? It's just coming at 7, but we're going to have a discussion there. If that doesn't work for you because you're out of town or whatever and we need to have more of those... We will do that, but we'll have a conversation there re- around this membership piece. Um, month of February, I would like it to be a season of prayer, and and part of the prayer is to pray about this. Um, but also, then in March, if one, if we feel, feel we're ready, then we'll take the step and have our initial that first Sunday where people time in and saying, "This is this is we want to be members of Community Grace." Is that clear? Not as mud. Don't say it. Clear as mud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> Let's look. What I'd like to do today is is I'm probably going to try to chew way too much off, but we're going to we're going to still go for it. I want to first off recap what I said last week, really quickly, and then I want to look at two pictures from two different texts. One picture looks at eldership, and one picture looks at membership and so let's stop and pause last week we looked at 1 first peter chapter 2 1 through 10 but i just want to recap verse 9 let me read that to start but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light, into his marvelous light. And so last week, what I just simply did is I simply uh, looked at um, what our identity is as a church. Who are we? And there's four statements in that one verse of who we are. I'm not going to unpack that. Listen to the, te- the message on the, on the uh, website if you want. And then I said not only who are we, but what are we to do? And there's a phrase in there that we are to proclaim the excellencies of Him, of Jesus, of God. That's our job. And I just simply say, that's, that's our mission. That's what God's called us to do. We're to proclaim, we're to talk about what God has done, how excellent He is. This week, as I was uh, thinking again about that, I came across a... Um, an article online it was actually a book review Uh, evidently the Puritans had a spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline that has kind of disappeared and they called it conferencing so some of the spiritual disciplines are solitude, fasting, prayer reading scripture but they had this one uh, simply called conferencing which was simply where people intentionally get together and talk about God's Word. Talk about what God has done. In other words, they're getting together to proclaim the excellencies of Him. Our, our little DNA discipleship group uh, got together yesterday morning and, and we were talking about Colossians chapter 3 and we were enjoying what God has done. I think it would be amazing if at the end of every day each of us could be able to say you know what there was i was having a conversation with my wife or i was having a conversation with one of my kids or i was having a conversation with somebody at school or one of my neighbors and 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 i had the opportunity to proclaim the excellencies of him and wouldn't it be sweet that that becomes such a habit in our lives that pretty soon we we can't help it but at the end of every day we can start seeing a number of things a number of times when it's just simply natural for us that, that Jesus flows off of the tip of our tongues. That's what I pray for. Now, the context of 1 Peter chapter 2 is, is not only a proclamation with our lips, but the whole context is, look at verse 12 is keep your conduct among the gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and deeds and glorify God on the day so it's not simply proclaiming with our lips the excellencies of him but it's to live our life in such a way that we're proclaiming the excellencies of him it wouldn't be amazing if everybody in this in this church family when they when when our co-workers see us they see us as the hardest workers they see us as the most encouraging They see us as the most loving they, our, our neighbors see There's a difference in their community Because we live there Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing If, if uh, we had more and more examples I uh, brought it up last week When Natalia had this idea Let's, let's fill these, these um, Backpacks Thank you Full of stuffing, and, and, and give them Away the, I think that was a way that together We could proclaim the excellencies of him through our conduct—that's the mission of the church. That's our personal mission. That's the mission of the church, and 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 how that picture gets painted really depends on us, not just Elroy, but us as a group. We get to paint that picture. How will we proclaim the excellencies of Him? Now I concluded last week's sermon simply by saying what was the motivation to proclaim the excellencies of him and the end of that verse and verse 10 actually bring it out to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light because of what he's done for us I should and I ought and I want to proclaim his excellencies so that's a vision kind of the mission but now let's move on to two pictures. Now, why these two pictures? Let me just pause. Our church, we're a church plant. And there's some sense that we're not firing on all cylinders. Maybe the better picture is we are a, we are a, a little tree that has started to sprout out of the ground. And quite frankly, a, a horrendous wind that something like you guys experienced uh, when you were coming back from Montana, Matt and Ann, this crazy wind, a, a horrendous wind might blow us over, and we will be no more. Or, if the Lord is willing, the roots will grow deep, the tree will get stronger and begin to grow, and at some point we will grow and, and produce fruit. And, 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 and so in order for those roots to grow deep, we need to, to look at what God's Word says about the church. And, and we, I don't think we can deal with everything that God's Word says about the church, but there are some things that we need to deal with now. Probably some things that we should have dealt with Already in the past, part of it because you've got a pastor that, that it has some shortcomings, but also I think part of it just because life, where the where where with with, with the church family with with Lynn's health, uh, there was reasons why we haven't come to this place till now. But I think it's time that we begin to look at some of these things, and one of them is eldership, and one of them is membership. But I want to show you two pictures why this is important. Okay. The first one, 1 Peter, chapter 5, 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the midst of this thing, I want you to notice there's a picture. Verse 2. Anybody see it? shepherd and what are we shepherding the, the sheep the flock right shepherd the flock that should that's should, a picture should come to your mind when Lynn and I were in Africa we were in northern Kenya the, the tribe of Turkana they are a semi-nomadic people they are not farmers they are shepherds and it was interesting watching these shepherds function they are very unlike Western shepherds. Western shepherds are, at least in Alberta, they're cattle guys, right? And I've been on the cattle drives. I've been on a horse on a cattle drive. I hate horses. Just just want you to know that. They have their own mind. And I've been on motorcycles on cattle drives. And... And what happens in a cattle drive is you are behind and beside, and you're driving the cattle to where you want them to go. But a shepherd in this in this context that Peter is to, is drawing up is 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 someone who literally lives with the sheep. The sheep follow. At times, the the the, the sheep. Are, are picked up because they can't get across a stream or whatever, uh, because they're not strong enough or whatever, but there's this picture. And, and, and so that's the picture that I think Peter wants us to conjure up in our mind. Now I want you to notice a couple of things in this text. So I exhort the elders among you. It's not just one elder, it's how many? More than one, yeah, trick question. It's at least two, right? But Peter's talking and he says, so why exhort the elders among you? Now, as we look at the book of Acts and we look at some of the things that Paul has written, um, it's interesting, but it seems to be consistent that there is more than one elder in, in most local churches. Now, I want you to notice something else. There are three words in this passage that is really important. The first one is elders, which conjures up in our mind somebody who's older, somebody who's more mature. Now, when it comes to elders, just we need to be understand that um, age is not the big piece. It's maturity in Christ. Paul says that to Timothy. Look at this. another word, verse 2, shepherd. That's the exact word. Now, this is a verb here, but that's the exact word, word that is found in Scripture for pastor. And there's another word here. Um, in, uh, at the end of verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That's a word that um, presbyteros, which is a Greek word. I'm just trying to impress you there. Um, But the idea is, is sometimes translated bishop or overseer. Now, Peter is using those words interchangeably. So Peter could have said, I exhort the pastors among you. Or I exhort the bishops among you or the overseers among you. Or I exhort the elders among you. I'm encouraging them. Those words, those terms are used interchangeably through Scripture. That's important. So what I'm saying is we need to hire another pastor, right? No. Actually, the Scriptures are clear that, 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 that a pastor, an elder, an overseer doesn't need to get paid. Uh, in some cases, maybe they ought to be paid, but that, that's not always the case but it does tell us that we need others included. And and notice that word, among you. Now, we're a church plant under the C2C network, and one of the best practices that they have done is they have had an external team that gives a leadership to a church that is never meant to be a long-term thing. It's meant to be a short-term thing. And we're at a place where we need to start moving, where we see... Internal elders, shepherds, pastors, individuals among us who will lead us. But did you see the word? Give oversight. So, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd is like taking care of this flock. A shepherd wants to make sure, okay, well, I I still have this picture, this young boy who uh, we learned to say, he would go like this. And he would go. I'm just chilling. And of course, he was doing it in his bad accent. But he, we would laugh, and he would laugh. And uh, but he was a little shepherd boy, probably about ten years old. He was learning to be a shepherd. He had about four or five sheep, and that's what he did. He wandered around, and he would take his sheep, and he would bring them to the grass. He'd bring them to the water, and he was learning how to do be a shepherd. That's what that was his practice, and. Um, The shepherd, if there's no grass here, he's going to take them maybe across that mountain. But he might know that that mountain is going to be dangerous and some of the sheep won't make it. So he's going to have to carry some of the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. The shepherd wants to feed the sheep. The shepherd wants to water the sheep. The shepherd wants to protect the sheep. So the shepherd, that little boy, literally would sleep with his sheep. And when do the predators come out at night? They come out at night, right? I gave you the answer right in there. I'm sorry. But but, but that's what a shepherd does. So he hardly slept at night, but he would sleep during the day. That's what a shepherd does. Now, shepherd, pastor, um, elder, overseer, bishop, whatever you want to call them, all of those are pictures that tell us what these individuals are to be like and what they are to do. But can I ask you a question? Does this job, this task, this role, sound like these individuals are of superior nature in the context of the church? (laughs) No. Not at all is this the sweet spot job when it comes to the church no is this what everybody should be doing when it comes to the church no is is the shepherd better than more superior more equal no I don't know if more equal is a but you know what I mean don't you shepherd is actually one of the sheep because we have a chief shepherd named Jesus who lives among the sheep who is one of the sheep and Peter's writing to the shepherds the pastors the elders in the context of the church now let's just be blunt community, grace is a problem, don't we? Do you see it? We have a shepherd among the sheep, but our other shepherds are external. And to grow in a biblical alignment, we need to have shepherds that are among us. That's one of the next steps as a church. You say, how, how are we going to get there? How do we move in that direction? Well, one is you have to have the members, the flocks of the sheep to say, yeah, we think these people are shepherds. That's part of it, so we've got to answer that question. But, but, but along the way, um, currently right now, there's a, a five guys who are going through with me uh, a once-a-month training on eldership i'm not i'm not saying all of those guys will be elders in our church they may be i think every one of them could be uh over the course of the last two years i've taught i've tapped on some of your shoulders and said you should think about this you should consider this you should pray about this the apostle paul says that uh, to desire the office of an eldership is a good thing and so i think there needs to be a, a desire on the part of certain individuals and maybe some of you have a desire for that role and you you should come and talk to me. Because I think that's a great place to start. But at the end of the day, as a body and as a flock, we have to identify who they are. And so, so I think we're moving in that direction, but please pray that God would open this door and allow us to move in this direction. Second picture that I want to bring to you is found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Because 1 Peter 5 raises a second question for me. He says, he exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock among you. When I think back to Africa, they were very clear on who the flock was. That little boy knew who his flock fi- who, who he had five sheep, and he knew that these were his five sheep. And he knew that if he went and grabbed a sheep from that shepherd, he'd be in trouble. Unless he went and paid for it, then he'd suddenly have six sheep. Or if, he, if, his, if his sheep gave birth to another one, then he'd have six sheep. But he knew who his sheep were. That raises another problem for me in the context of community grace. We've been a church that, by God's grace, I have a list of about 70 people, including children, that, by God's grace, I pray for every day. But I've never asked the 70 if this is their, if I'm their pastor, if this is their, if their, if this is their flock that they, that they identify with. There's actually a place where the flock needs to say, this is my flock. And if this isn't your flock, then you need to be in a place where, where you can say, that's my flock, because that's where I grow. And, and that leads us to our second picture, and that's found in Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 through 8. We're not going to deal with the entire chapter, the uh, 8 verses, but we're going to touch on it. Romans 12, 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God the one who contributes in generosity the one who leads with zeal the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness now my question to you is this what's the picture that paul paints in this chapter you see it he describes the church as a body and each, each person in the church has what? We are what? Members. And and he describes us like some are fingers and some are eyes and some are ears. He actually gets into this a little more detail in 1 Corinthians 12. But that's the picture he's, he's drawing and bringing to our mind. Now, something fascinating from the last passage that we had, I want to just... You don't have to go there. But remember what motivates us to to declare the excellencies of him? It's what God has done for us. What motivates the shepherds? Peter says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Peter says, I witnessed Jesus dying on the cross. And I see his incredible love, and because of that, I want to serve him in this way. And I exhort you to do the same because of what Christ has done. What's fascinating about Romans chapter 12 is he says, Paul says pretty much the same thing to to every member of the church. He says, I appeal to you in verse 1, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, what are the mercies of God he's talking about? Well, he's going back to Romans 9, where before, before Jacob did anything good or bad, God in his mercy chose him. He's going back to chapter 11, where he's talking about the nation, uh, he's talking to the Gentiles, and he says, Because of Israel's disobedience, I had mercy upon you, even though you weren't searching for me, and I called you, I brought you to myself. And then he says about Israel, and this is a part that is puzzling all kinds of people. He says, I will show mercy to Israel. The very ones who rejected God, who rejected Jesus. This is like this is kind of a crazy thing. And and flowing on the heels of that, at the end of chapter 11, Paul bursts into praise in verse 33. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments. And how inscrutable his ways. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? He's blown away by, by God's mercy. Now, Paul has been unpacking how we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He's, well, I'm going to Ephesians, I'm sorry. But but he, he's talking about he, he's, he's talked about how God is justified, how God is um, going to someday glorify us. Like this is an incredible, beautiful picture in the book of Romans. It's all about God's mercy that we don't deserve. And now in verse 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, I appeal to you, I beg you, every one of you in in, in Rome, to present your bodies, to present your life as a living sacrifice. You're a lamb that's being offered to God on the altar. Holy, set apart for his purposes, acceptable to God. I can spend a whole lot of time on this. I'm not going to. But he says, This is your spiritual service. This is your spiritual worship. This is literally your reasonable. It's only logical. In light of what God has done, that this is what you would do for him, this is how you would worship him. And then he begins to unpack what that can look like or what that ought to look like. And he begins to talk about how it looks in the relationship with the church. He he begins to look at how we ought to behave. He he begins to look at how we should behave in the context of the the world. He begins to look at how we should uh, function in submission to our government leaders in chapter 13. He gives us all kinds of things, but he begins by how we should function in the context of the church. And this is like way too rushed. I should spend a whole lot more time, but I want you to have this picture. He says, if you're a finger, then be the best finger in the context of the church you possibly can be. For Him. Because of what He's done for you. Now this fleshes out, yes, it's true, that we are all members of the body, the... the, the, the um, the worldwide body of Christ. This is true of that. But Paul's writing to a church in a city. And he says it gets fleshed out in the context in which you are living. This is what you're Now he says in verse 4, For as in one body we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. So though we are many, so, so we though many are one body in Christ. That's important. Don't st- we got to look at that. The reason we're one is because, because of the one we put our faith in because we're connected to Him. The Apostle Paul and others in Scripture say everyone is, who is born is in Adam. In other words, Adam is our father. Adam is our, the one who went before us, and because of he's our great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy, because of that, we are sinners, and we deserve the wrath of God. But in putting our faith in this Jesus who showed us mercy... We are now in Christ. And so God's wrath will not shower upon us. Instead, we will receive His blessings and we have a hope that's eternal, which should cause us to praise Him. But because of that, we are in Christ. We're one. Because of who we put our faith in. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. So that means in order to be part of the family. We need to be Christians. Well, it seems to be the only particularity or whatever. And then, and individually members one of another. Well, that's a strange phrase. Individually members of one another. another. I mean, I, I, I'm not an island. I don't live in the city of Calgary just doing my own thing. I live in the city of Calgary, and I belong to each of you. We're united. Now, do we do this? Well, I, I don't think we do. But I think we can grow in this. And, 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 and then how are we united? How does it, How does that flesh itself out? Verse six: Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith, I'm not going to dig into what prophecy is. There, it uh, could be the predictive element. It could be the idea of proclaiming. Thus says the Lord. We'll leave that debate for another time. But the idea is, if that's your gift, use it. If service in our serving, that's the, the, the word. There is diaconoi, which is the idea of serving or or helping. This is, this is my dad to the T. It didn't matter in what kind of context, he'd pick up a hammer and he'd go help people. A lot of these tasks seem to be very mundane. But they're essential. And and, and we're doing that in the context of the body. one who teaches in his teaching that's your gift use it if you're not using it in our context come to me and say i've got this gift and i need to use it and well, we've got to figure out how to use it but it seems you don't have really an option you need to use it you say well i don't know what my gifts are try something okay One who exhorts and is exhortation. It could also mean encouragement. I always say my wife's greatest gift is their gift of encouragement. She can bless the socks off of an elephant. And I've never seen an elephant with socks. It's my bad joke, but, but I could be at the lowest point of my life and she encourages, encourages me. And I've seen her encourage others. And, and some of you that's that's your gifting. Now, this list isn't exhaustive. He has another list in 1 Corinthians 12. He has another list in Ephesians 4. And I don't think those are exhaustive. I think the reality is God has given us all kinds of abilities. The one who contributes in generosity. And we're all called to contribute. But some just some people are just like... The wallet's open. I was with someone the other day, and I was just amazed. They, we were driving down Calgary, and I, I never seemed to give money to those people in the, in the middle of the street. And it, was just like, right away, it was like right away. I don't know that, okay, that there's a debate on whether that's a good practice or not. But I was just like, that person's generous. The one who leads. There are leaders among us that need to lead. Do it with zeal. When it does acts of mercy, the cheerfulness. of the, the picture that comes to mind here is do those who who well I think of my mom. But there's others that come to mind. She opened her home up and she had foster children and she had adopted children come in and, and then she always had people in that she just she was she wanted to show mercy. And well, I've seen some of you acting. When he does acts of mercy with cheerfulness i don't think paul's trying to be exhaustive he's trying to paint a picture for us and he's trying to get us to think and we're trying to go okay well everything that i own is a gift from god isn't it everything i have is his I, it, the things I, that my whole life should be a, a a spiritual an act of spiritual worship it should be an offering to him How do we wrap this thing, nuts and bolts? How do we wrap this up in a nice, tidy package? I'm not sure, but I think the Lord is calling us. Well, I know that we're supposed to be engaged in a local body, Community Grace, or another local body. I don't think it really matters. There's some I think that are better than others. Some I'd say, say would well, just don't want to go there because of their doctrines there are other good bodies in our city, but if you are a believer, you need to be engaged in the body of Christ. Using your gifts, whether you see them as amazing gifts or mundane gifts, it doesn't matter. You're called to use them. This is your spiritual worship, your reasonable service for what God has done. We're members of one another. And so when he paints a picture, membership in the church is not like buying something at Costco and saying, you know, I'm a Costco member. I've got my card. And now that gives me the right to go buy things from them. It just seems like an amazing plan they came up with. And I fell for it. That's not the kind of membership that the scriptures talk about. We're members of one another because we are in Christ. And because of our great love for what he has done for us and motivated by what he's done for us, we, we give ourselves to one another to build one another up and to encourage one another. We should all be back there now helping pick up those things for Charles. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but that, that's a picture of membership, right? That's a picture. We, we love one another. We care for one another. We serve one another. And so... This document that I put together, that I actually begged, borrowed, and stole from every other church on the web, I put together, is really trying to get well, how will we do that here at Community Grace? And if there's a better way, if we can shape it a little bit better and, and try to define that, and but it comes to the po- it comes to the point that we come to the point where we, as a church, and you say yes I'm a part of this church and it's okay if you say well you know I'm not sure yet you know I'm, I'm, I'm in transition I might be I might be um, I'm going to school and I don't know where I'm going to be next year or two years down the road and so I'm not sure or, or maybe I'm just still checking this church out because I'm kind of new to community grace that's fine but if, if this is your home church then the Lord is calling us to engage to engage and and as we define who those individuals are, then we begin to ask the question, well, who are the elders among us? Who are the leaders among us? And we begin to call them to step up to their, to their plate in that context, to give in that way. And, and I think as we do that, the roots of this little church will grow a little bit deeper, and the tree will grow a little bit stronger. Someday... Will sit under the shade, or somebody else will, and that will be precious. Let's pray, Lord. I love you. Thank you for real practical stuff in your in your scriptures too. But Lord, as we as we look at that, Lord, may we not lose sight of what motivates us. What should get me up every morning is 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 the reality of what you've done for me which should cause us to encourage or to serve or to to, to give. Lord, uh, it should be flowing out of what you've done for us. And Father, if it be your gracious will, would you allow the roots of community grace to grow deep into the soil of, of this neighborhood and the city? And would you allow us to grow strong, not for our glory, but for yours, to produce fruit that would be Bring eternal benefits that would touch every corner of the globe someday and and Father would you be pleased would you be pleased Would would you would you be glorified by your body here in Calvary we ask these things in your precious name in the name of Jesus we pray Amen. Just in case we missed it, Jesus is good. He has shown us mercy. And so every Sunday we stop just to pause and say thank you and we stop to remember what he's done, that he came to this earth, he, he died in our place, and simply by putting our faith in him, we are in Christ and we are one body connected to Jesus and we have an eternal hope that is everlasting and that's astounding and we want to remember him as he has told us to so if you're a Christian you're welcome to come, come, come together come with somebody let's sing